Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. So this morning, I would like to open the sermon asking a question. How do we live when we are nearing the end of this world than ever? How do we live when we near the end of this world than ever? Debbie and myself, we never spoke about it. And Debbie's dream was that this morning, and hear my sermon. How do we live when we are nearing the end of this world than ever? So I would like to title my sermon, as you see, the end, the end is nearer than ever. The end is nearer than ever. Can you repeat that? The end is nearer than ever. So quickly, I want to take you to some of the happenings of this world during last one month. If you can quickly turn back to what happened to this world that we are living in today. You know, at times when things happen in this world, we feel that we are not part of it because we are, we are away from where things are happening. But this morning, I want to you know, quickly take you to the places where such things happened during last one month, just one month of this year in this world. So when we turn to see last one month, the month of September, you know, we, we find so much has happened in this world. The world had experienced so many things during last one month. So that really tells us the end is nearer than ever. Starting with Hurricane Harvey, destroying the Caribbean islands, and it made a landfall in Rockport in Texas, caused a massive flood that really displaced over 30,000 people from Houston and surrounding areas and damaged over 200,000 houses and businesses and leaving 84 dead. Hurricane Irma, making a landfall at Florida, almost one-third of Florida had to evacuate, leaving more than 7 million people without power and with a death toll which was reported as 132. Hurricane Maria, it made a devastating damage in Puerto Rico, destroying almost the complete island, every infrastructure in that island, leaving the island with no power, and the death toll was rising, still rising to 45 and more. For the second time in two weeks, Mexico experienced powerful earthquake, toppling buildings down and cracking highways and killing hundreds of people. Death toll in Mexico earthquake had risen to 369, and it keeps getting reported. North Korea's warning that it would test a powerful nuclear weapon over the Pacific in response to United States President's threat of military action. What about California fire? California wildfire had burned more than 221,000 acres across the Northern California, even spreading to the Southern part of California, killing more than 31 as reported and more than 600 are still missing, leaving more than 5,000 houses burned into ashes, 5,000 houses. Ashes and bones are found in the ruin, scorched by fire. Famine, 
Statistics says living more than 20 million people starving in northern, northeastern Nigeria, southern Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. Outbreaks of epidemics and pandemics that spread from continent to continent have been reported during last few months. Never like earlier, ever increasing. The epidemics such as smallpox, plague, Malaria, influenza, tuberculosis, HIV, AIDS, cholera, rabies, and pneumonia, infectious diarrhea, Ebola, MERS, dengue, yellow fever, anthrax, and MRSA, and superbug, pertussis, or the whooping cough, meningitis, syphilis, SARS, leprosy, measles, Zika virus, there are, we can just go on and on. You know, such an epidemics are everywhere and pandemics are there across the continents. And I really remember what Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 24, verse 7. Matthew chapter 24, verse 7 says, listen to this, For nations will rise against nations, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. And Bible says, Jesus said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. You know, as all these things happened, can you imagine how many families were going through terrible time? You know, on the day I shared one older couple, I think he's 100 years old, and his wife is maybe 97 or 96 years old. They were living in, in Santa Rosa, where, you know, the fire totally consumed that village. And they were living in their, old, in, in their house at the age of 100. And when the fire consumed the whole area, after four hours, their elder son came and looked for their house. He couldn't identify his house because it was just to the ground. And these elderly couple looks like from their bones, this is what he could find out. He was in the other room and he was trying to make an entry to the room where his wife was sleeping that night. And as he was entering into that, into that room, fire took over the entire house. And he just fell dead and his wife died there. Beginning of sorrows. You know, beginning of sorrows. This morning I'm not trying to frighten, but I just, we want to, we need to know the reality of what is happening. So this is, my focus is, you know, totally different this morning. I'm not worried, really worried about what is happening outside in this world. Listen to me. I'm worried about what is happening inside the church today. You know, that's my concern. So many things are happening outside the world today. But what is happening inside the church? What is happening among the children of God? You know, we know the time is limited. How should we live the rest of the life that God has given in our hands? You know, there is no reason why such calamities, such disasters can come across the land of Canada where we are living. I believe we are born to live in a season such as this. You know, we can, do, we can do two things. We can either live as if nothing is happening to us, ignoring all those things that are happening around us, or we can sometimes probably live in fear and frustration, thinking that any time anytime things may happen to me, but if you read the Bible, children of God, God doesn't really expect us to live in both the ways. God doesn't want us to be ignorant of what is happening around us. At the same time, God doesn't want us to be in living in fear. This morning, I would like to turn my attention to Peter, 1 Peter, 
Listen to what Peter says in chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Peter very clearly says, since all these things are happening around us, how we as believers need to contact ourselves. Let's read. But the end of all things is at hand. You can read together. Therefore, we have that in the screen. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayer. Let's see that again. But the end of all things is at hand. I think that's what Debbie mentioned this morning. The end is just at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the, with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, this morning, I just want to you know, bring four important aspects of life on this earth as believers. Number one, Peter says, he's very clear and he says, be serious and watchful in prayers, in your prayers. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Can I hear that from you? Be serious and be watchful in your prayers. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. NLT says, the New Living Translation says, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayer. Be earnest and be disciplined in your prayer. You know, we are living in a time, we know that we are living at the end of the age. Things are happening around us and we do not know when such things are going to happen to us. And Bible, Peter tells us, in fact, since you are living in times such as this, number one, he's asking us, we need to be serious about prayer. Prayer needs to be taken very seriously. That's what is Peter is suggesting this morning. You know, we all know that we need to pray. We all know. There is no doubt about it. If you ask any Christian, he or she will tell that we need to pray. Anybody saying we don't need to pray? No. All of us know we need to pray. But this morning, Peter is telling us we need to take things seriously. A church that doesn't really pray makes no effect in God's kingdom. A church that doesn't pray is no more a threat to the devil's kingdom. A church that doesn't pray can grow in number, but it cannot grow Christ-like. A church that doesn't pray is a social institution where moral and social justice are taught. A church that doesn't pray is a group of battalions the enemy can sway at any moment. A church that doesn't pray cannot be seen for a long time. Not somebody's words, my own words. A church that doesn't pray you cannot see the church for a long time. They come up like a mushroom and they disappear. I thank God, you know, we are entering, I don't know how many years now, 
fifth or sixth year. I thank God for the praying church and the praying believers. And thank God for the prayer conference. Those who have been praying for us tremendously. The reason we are alive today, the reason we are able to continue as a church, it's just only because of prayer. Not because of me. Not because of you. Not because of the offerings. Just because of the prayer. You know, this morning, I believe Peter is asking us to, you know, bring a change in our understanding about prayer. And I, I really did not have enough words to teach how I should do that. God is expecting us to bring a change in the understanding in our prayer. You know, prayer is not really asking and receiving. Bible talks about if you ask, it will be given. But prayer is not really always about asking and receiving. Prayer is an investment we can make in the kingdom of God. Can you repeat this after me? Prayer is an investment we can make in God's kingdom. You know, I believe prayer is like spreading a blanket over the earth. As we pray together, we are pulling the blanket over the earth to cover, to cover the earth to, you know, so that the earth will be protected. Nations will be protected. Prayer is like adding one brick over the other. Every time when we come together you know, to pray, we are putting one brick over the other. We are building a wall. We are building a wall of protection. Prayer is like collecting water drops in a bucket. Every time when we pray, we don't expect magic to happen, but we come and pray. When we pray, water drop is getting added to that bucket. The blessings of God is getting added in your account in heaven. Prayer breaks the powers and prayer releases the soul. You know, if we do the ministry without prayer, you know, we need to hit the ground very hard, harder and harder, but nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. We need to take all the effort, put all the money into the ministry and hit harder and harder, but nothing will happen. But when you pray, souls will be released. When you pray more, people will come to you rather than you going to people. When you pray still more, people will come running and crying. What should we do? What should we do? Prayer is the one. You know, today, for some reason, churches do not understand this. Churches try to you know, host you know, thousands and thousands of programs every year. Hundreds of programs are hosted in the churches thinking that we can attract people. But and as I said, we can grow in number. We cannot grow Christ-like if we do not pray. And this morning I believe, you know, as we are living in the end of the age, God is urging us to pray more. Peter says, be sober. Be sober means be alert. Be serious. Be watchful. Be prepared. You know, how can we be alert? The moment we hear a disaster that is coming on this land, just be alert, children of God. You know, that's the reason we try to update in various media, saying that in encouraging people to pray. Be alert. First Peter 1.13, Bible says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. First Peter 1.13. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is saying, be sober, be vigilant, be alert, be serious, be watchful, because you need to pray. You know, this morning, I'm here to tell you that we are living in a time 
where prayer is more than required. You know, I strongly believe God is leading us into that when we decided that Tuesday is going to be a prayer time. You know, I believe it's the leading of God and coming year is going to be a year of prayer. I'm not really sure, but I heard somebody, a man of God telling that coming year is going to be a year of prayer. You know, we want to just flow into that stream. We want to build a prayer back in this church. We need to start many, many avenues through which people will come to pray. Peter is saying, be sober, be vigilant, because we are living in the last days. And you know what? The devil is very cunning. The devil is powerful. Devourer. He's not as powerful as God, but remember, he's powerful. He's more powerful than you. All of us. He's powerful. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober. Be vigilant. Why we need to be vigilant? Because the devil, for the devil, because of the devil, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, sometimes we heard that preaching saying that, you know, it's, he's an old lion. He cannot really do anything. But for some reason, Peter is saying, be sober, be vigilant, because he's your enemy, not your friend. The devil is your enemy. Devil is our enemy. He's not our friend. If we are careless, if our prayer life goes down, we walk away from God. We walk away. Our mind is not right. Our attitude is not right. God cannot really do anything. And this morning, God wants us to pray. Prayer always. Bible says, pray always. Bible asks us to pray in spirit. Because at times we do not know what to ask for. But the Spirit of God, being inside of us, requests. Send requests to heaven. We need to pray in spirit. But the word of God is asking us to be watchful. Let's read from Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Ephesians 6 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We need to pray for the saints. Who are those saints? Not Saint Anthony, not Saint Mary and not Saint Stephen. Who are those saints? Jesus, sorry, preachers, pastors, they are the saints. Who are the saints? Come on. Who are those believers? We are the saints. Can you say we are the saints? Oh my God. Can you say that we are the saints? Nobody will erect a statue for you. Remember, you know, I'm sure we are the saints. We are the saints. The Bible says, you know, Paul is saying, you need to pray for all the saints. We need to pray for the believers. We need to pray for all of us. We need to pray for somebody who is sitting across the mile. In some church, we never heard of that name. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. Children of God is there everywhere in all the churches. We need to pray for them. You know, when sudden disaster comes, prayer is an answer. Prayer is an answer. I don't see any other way. Many times you don't know what to do. But what else we can do other than praying? When you hear about a natural calamity coming on a nation or coming on a, attacking a coast, coastal land, what can you do? We cannot do anything else other than praying to God, other than praying to Him. That's the reason Peter says and Paul says, be on alert, be watchful and be ready to pray. Can you repeat this with me? Be on alert, 
Be watchful and be ready to pray. Number two, Peter is saying, have fervent love for one another. First Peter 4, 8. Since we are living in the last days, since we do not know when things are going to happen in our lives, since we do not know when such a calamity is going to strike on our way, come on our way, what we need to do? Have fervent love for one another. First Peter 4, 8 again. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sin. Love will cover a multitude of sin. Listen to this this morning. Now God may help me to teach on this a little bit. Listen to this. We are all good in loving our own people, our own family. Who hates our own family? Nobody. We are all good in loving our own people. We are all good in loving our own church people. Do you hate anybody? No, I don't think so. We all love each other. We are all good at doing that. We are, lo- we are you know, we really are, we are good in loving people of our own color. Let's come to the reality. We love people who belong to our nation. We love people who are from that city. When we meet somebody, where are you? Which nation? India. Which part of the, which part of the state? India. Oh, I'm from this state. Oh, in this state, which town you are in? Oh, you, I'm in that town. Which village you are in? I'm in that village. Come on, brother, I love you. We are good in that. We love people who speak our own language. Do you, have you seen that? You'll hear very far from somebody speaking your own language. You'll make all your effort, push everybody around you, and go and reach that person and shake hands with. Oh, you're from where? I'm also from that place. We are good in doing all this. You don't need to be a Christian for that. We don't need to be a Christian for that. Even non-Christians do. You know, there is a great deception among the believers. You know, at times we are satisfied, including me, I'm satisfied when I invite my friends, when I invite my church believers. Weekend parties, we are happy, but we are deceived. Christ's love is beyond that. You know, this morning, Peter is telling us, we need to have for one life, love for one another. Christ's love is beyond that. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 39, and the second, this is the second commandment. What did he say? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who is our neighbor? Literally, who is standing next, living next door to us? He may be from a different nation. She may be from, you know, she may speak a different language. She may look beautiful or ugly. Whatever it may be. Whatever color may be. What if God is asking us to love? We need to know who is our neighbor. You know, sometimes when we live in an apartment, we live for five years, but we don't know who is our neighbor. It happens. Jesus is asking us to love our neighbors. Jesus is asking us to love our enemies. Do we have enemy? I, I think I asked this question earlier too. We all have enemies. Who are the enemies? Those who do not love, like our well-being. We need to love them in our workplaces. Somebody always doing things around against us in a very hidden way, in a very secret way to pull you down, to stop that promotion, to get that permanent position. So many things are happening. Jesus is asking us to love our enemies. Jesus is asking us to love who curse you. 
Because he said, bless those who curse you. We cannot bless somebody without loving. There are people, they curse at us. God wants us to love them. There are people who hate us. Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. We need to love those who hate us. We need to love those who persecute us. That's the love. Matthew 5.44 Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. And do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That is the love. Love will cover multitudes of sins. Love will restore somebody. Love will forgive somebody. When you love, eventually they will come to know the love of Jesus Christ. They will be forgiven. And love helps us to cover the sin. That means, you know, when you start loving with that love, we will not show partiality in our love. We will not try to please people. We will not neglect people, anybody for that matter. We will love everybody equally. You know, just ask God this morning. I've been praying for me, myself. Lord, give me grace. Help me to love everybody equally. Can you pray that prayer? Love everybody equally. All human race. Everyone is equal, no matter what, where they are from. We need to ask that grace to God. You know, somewhere something got, you know, went wrong in our lives. We need to ask this morning. Jesus loved those who spat on him. Jesus loved those who mocked at him. Jesus loved those who pulled the hair of Jesus. Jesus loved those who scorched him. Jesus loved, Jesus loved those who hammered the thorn on his head. Jesus even loved the one who pierced his side. How painful it was. But it, the heart was loving heart. We need to ask God, Lord, I need such a loving heart. Can you just repeat this as a prayer? Jesus, help me to love like you. Number three, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. First Peter 4, 9 says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. You know, hospitality works at the time of crisis. You know, most of the time we think we are hospitable. But we need to understand to whom we are showing hospitality. Hospitality works in times of crisis, in times of disaster. People who lost their homes in the natural disaster. If someone is willing to accommodate them, they lost their house. Where do they live? How many days they live in the shelter? Somebody who is willing to care for them. People who are dying. You would have got a chance to sit with them. They need your touch. Before they die, they try to hold your hands. They need your touch. Hospitality. People who are wounded. Somebody who is wounded and he is in a deadly accident. He or she will cry out for help. Hospitality. People who are abandoned and rejected, they desperately seek for somebody to touch them. Somebody to care for them. There is nobody here in that way. But there are people outside. You know, God wants us to show hospitality to those who are in need. You know, that's the reason we need to just go around. We need to keep our eyes open. There may be somebody who is in need of help. When you walk in the aisles of your shopping mall, You'll come across somebody who needs help. He's just sitting there. He's not able to get onto his van. He's not able to get onto his, you know, uh, his truck somewhere. He needs help. Or he needs a phone to make a call. 
help. You know, so the one who are, whom you are helping in the nursing home is in desperate need of love, care, and hospitality. It is your duty, but it is their life. Are we able to be hospitable to them in our workplace? This morning, God is asking us to be kind to people. Not to our own people. They don't need anything. But those who are in need of our touch. That's what Jesus is expecting from us. So as we know that the end is nearer than ever, God wants us to be prepared. You know, those days may come in our lives so quickly. So the way we are going to respond in that time is all about how we, what we know today. When such crises come, do we really try to protect ourselves? Or we extend our hospitality to people who are in need? When Jesus mentioned about hospitality, this is what he mentioned. Listen to this important. <coughs> Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 to 40. We will not read that. Matthew 25, 34 to 40. This is what Jesus said. Heaven, listen to this. Heaven is for those who, number one, feed the hungry. Heaven is not for all the believers. Heaven is for those who feed the hungry. Heaven is for those who give drink to the thirsty. Heaven is for those who clothe the naked. Heaven is for those who accept strangers. Those who visit the sick. Those who visit the prisoners. Now that's where God wants us to show our hospitality. And when we do it heartily, when we do it you know, with full of heart, Peter says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling, without murmur, without any complaint. Extend our lives to somebody else who is in need. Finally, Peter is saying, use your gifts and talents to serve one another. Number four, use your gifts and talents to serve one another. 1 Peter 4.10 again, I'm reading from NLT. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of gifts, of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Can you say that? Use them to serve one another. You know, God is asking us to use the gifts and talents that God has given us to serve people. To serve people. You know, at times, you know, when such thing comes in our lives, many times we say excuse, but God is telling us, the end is nearer than ever before. I want you to sow me. I want you to sow me. You know, many times we say excuses, I don't have time. At times we say, I am not talented. At times, you know, we say that I don't have the skills. And at times we, we think that, you know, they don't need me really. They don't really need me. And sometimes, you know, we compare with people and say, I cannot be like somebody. And we just withdraw. But this morning God is telling you, as the days are coming to an end, we need to serve with our gifts and talents. We need to serve one another. You know, you know do you know the truth? God doesn't call the equipped. But really, God called them and equipped them to serve. God, you know, really not, God really doesn't call the equipped ones. He called them and he equipped them. He trained them and then they'll start serving. And I, I believe you also know leaders are not born, right? When you give birth to a baby, we are not giving birth to leaders. We are giving birth to 
babies. And then leaders are made on the way. Leaders are not born, they are just made. They are made as leaders. Now God really doesn't need golden vessels, but he needs yielded vessels. Somebody willing to work for God. Somebody willing to do something for God. You know, this morning as we listen to this, as the days are coming to an end, Peter is telling us, are you, he's challenging us, are you available to serve others? Are you available to serve others? You know, this morning we can talk about different types of spiritual gifts. I don't want to go too much detail into it. There are many different gifts the Word of God is talking about. Word of God is talking about the major offices like apostles, the pioneers, the planters of church. Word of God is talking about prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gift, you know, gift of healing, performing miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. There are different gifts. There are also administrative gifts. Helping somebody. Helping somebody is a spiritual gift. Teaching is a spiritual gift. Giving is a spiritual gift. Serving is a spiritual gift. Benevolent or caring or you know, comforting ministry is a gift of God. Encouraging somebody is a gift of God. There are many different gifts. And God is asking you to plug into any of this. Praying, what about prayer? Praying is a gift of God. Interceding is a gift of God. Standing in the gap is a gift of God. Being a warrior is a gift of God. Building walls around in a wall builder is a gift of God. Praying against the strongholds is a gift of God. City watchmen, you know, we can go on and on. It's all gift of God. God has put all this in order to serve him. This morning, I want you to take a moment before we move away from this slide. Think about where do you fit? What is the call of God in your life? What is the call of God in your life? And I believe God wants us to serve him in one way or other. Everyone, all of us. What is the call of God in your life? Finally, I want to close with this parable of talents. Don't go detail into it. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. We know the parable. A master had a couple of servants. And some point of time, he wanted to go to a far country. And he called three of his servants. Listen to this. This is very important. Three of his servants. And to the first servant, he gave how many talents? How many talents to the first? Ten, three, five. How many talents? Five talents. He gave five talents or five Golden bags, bag full of gold or something or money, a bag full of money. Different transla translation put it the different way. And he gave the five talents to them. And what did he say? Go and do business. And he called the second servant and he gave how many? Three? Two? Any more other numbers? Between two and three? Okay, to the second servant he called and gave two talents. Am I right? Two talents. Okay? Two bags of gold. And he said, go and multiply. And he called the third one and gave how many? One. One talent. One bag full of gold. And asked them to go around and do business. And he came back again after one year or one and a half years. And the first one who went with five talent, he came back producing ten. Another, another five. And the second one came back producing 
four, right? Double that. And the master looked at them and this is what he said. Well then, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler of many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. They went into heaven. The last one he, who came and he brought that one. You know what he did? He dug the ground and put the talent into the ground and covered it. I don't know whether he thought it may grow. Right? Unfortunately, it didn't grow. And he again dug that and brought the talent and brought it back to the master and gave the talent to him. And he said so many things about the master. You are such a nice man. You, know, you can do miracles. You can do magic. If you want, you can even multiply, Lord. But I have the only one talent. I preserved that. These are the words of Jesus or the master. You wicked and lazy servant. You should have deposited that to the bank. I would have got the interest. Take the talent from him and cast him into the outer darkness where weeping and gnashing of teeth. I believe that sounds like hell to me. Where weeping and gnashing of teeth. It sounds to me hell. You know, simple parable, but there is a truth. God is not just going to throw somebody into that hell not because they just did not accept Jesus Christ. God is also going to throw people into the hell because they have not used the talent that God... Did you listen to me? This Don't miss this. God is throwing people into the hell just simply because they don't use their talents. God-given talents. God has given us ability to all of us. We don't want to hold what God has given to us. We want to release that. Don't say excuses at times. You know, when I preach this, I know the burden of it. I know the difficulty of it. Now, when you want to do something for God, it's not easy. It is not easy. God is asking us to be available for his work. I would say keep at least four hours in a week for the work of God. Keep four hours in a week, not just for praying and meditating. Do something for God. You may do it a personal evangelism, go around and give tracts, go around and meet somebody whom never met, go around and visit the hospital, or come to church. We have a lot of things to do. At least four hours in a week. Keep that aside for God, because we are accountable. God has given us talents. You know how to speak. You know how to sing. You know a couple of things to do. You can help. You can care for somebody. You can comfort somebody. You can encourage somebody. There are various ways we can do something for God. You know, this morning, I don't know whether you are serious about it, but God is serious about it. God is serious about it. And you know, when I heard that God is throwing people into the hell, I don't want to do that, certainly. Because I can't answer him. We have time for everything. We have time for family. We have time to study. We have time to work. But where is the time for God? The end is nearer than ever. God is asking us to be serious and watchful to pray. And secondly, God is telling us to be fervent in love, to show our love, those who are not loved, those who are not cared. God is asking us to be hospitable to somebody who needs that hospitality from us. And finally, God is asking us to use our talents in God's kingdom. Can we close our eyes? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. 
please write to Pastor Balan Swaminathan at balan at hibm.org. God bless you.